Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for educational leaders brought to you by Central Michigan University, the Center for Charter Schools, a leader in educational choice and quality. We are excited to welcome Dr. Megan Block today. Uh, Dr. Megan Block uh, is faculty in the Teacher Education and Professional Development Office at Central Michigan University and is also the co-director of the Literacy Center at Central Michigan University. Uh, in addition to achieving her PhD from Michigan State University, Dr. Block was a elementary teacher uh, prior to her faculty status. So we are excited to have her here today. But I also have two of my colleagues with me, Janelle Brzezinski and Jason Sarsfield. Welcome, welcome team. Thank you, Orlando. It's great to be here again. Hi, Orlando. Great. Great to have another episode. Like you said, we have Dr. Black today, certainly a really important topic as we explore literacy, um, both from reading and writing standpoint and have some great strategies and some insights for classroom and for school leadership. So, um, as everybody knows that has listened to us before, our podcast is available um, wherever you stream your podcast. So Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere that you're finding your podcast, we are there. I um, encourage you to subscribe so that you always get the episodes when they come out in the future um, and really appreciate everybody um, that is new listeners and return listeners. We really think this is a, a great topic that will be really insightful for everybody to hear about today. Well, thanks, guys. We appreciate uh, you joining us today and look forward to hearing more from Dr. Megan Block. Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for education leaders. So we are here with Dr. Megan Block, who is faculty uh, in teacher education, professional development, but also is the co-director of the CMU Literacy Center. Uh, welcome, Megan. We are glad to have you here to talk about the Literacy Center here at Central Michigan University. Thank you. I'm happy to be here and talking with you. So for our listeners who are not familiar with the Literacy Center, can you help us understand, help our listeners understand what the Literacy Center is and what your main focus and goals are? Yeah, so the Literacy Center is um, a center that is housed in the teacher education and professional development department. And um, we're looking, its main purpose is to sort of serve the literacy needs of the community and thinking about community here really broadly, like the Mount Pleasant community, the CMU community. Um, we think about the broader, the, the community in the state, the teachers, professional development. So as we think about that, we, our, our goal is to really support literacy in many ways. Um, so currently we um, support students in a local elementary school through one of our courses and we uh, do some tutoring, one-on-one -on -one tutoring with some elementary students. And we've also had a lot of opportunity to do some professional development for teachers. Um, and administrators around the state. And we'd like to continue to grow that. And we're also looking to continue to grow sort of our presence in the community and evaluate what the community needs and how we can best serve those in it. 
Well, there's a lot there to unpack and I look forward to doing some of that, but can you also connect the dots on how, how does the literacy center work with the teacher education students uh, and partner with um, students that are coming through and how does that look for um, schools that might, uh, I heard you mention you partner with some local schools. Uh, how does all of that piece fit together with students at the university? So currently um, our program, so Right now in the state, all of the teacher preparation programs are going undergoing revision or have undergone revision to start uh, preparing for the new certification um, where students for the elementary education will be certified in grade bands rather than having like a language arts or a math or science major. So currently our literacy center has served students who are getting a reading minor. So the CMU students who are getting the reading minor. Um, since our new program has started, we've started to work on this new program for new certification. We, um, it's actually a course that is required by anyone obtaining a 3-6 certification. So all CMU students who have that as part of their certification, whether they're doing pre-K through six or just grades three through six, will take this course. Um, so the course then entails, will they meet with a faculty member as their instructor? Uh, right now, that's me. And um, so we meet for class once a week, but then two days of those week of the week, they meet one on one with elementary students. Um, and right now they are in Mount Pleasant and we're currently doing it virtual. Uh, we made the switch to virtual during the pandemic uh, and have been um, doing that, we are looking forward to transitioning back to face-to-face -face when it feels safe for both the CMU students and the um, elementary students. But we've also found success in doing this virtual and finding that we um, have the potential to reach different areas of the state or meet different needs. And so as we move forward, that's another component that we're going to consider. Um, but with the new certification, requirements, um, we actually, many more CMU students will be coming through the Literacy Center. So in and of itself, we're gonna be able to build our capacity for working and supporting the elementary students. And as you work, Dr. Block, within those classroom settings, within, you know, your research and areas of expertise here with literacy, do you have some, you know, tips or tricks, ideas to share with our educators in our classrooms, our building leaders, on how to really boost reading instruction in the classroom right now as we, we come out of this pandemic and, and really confront that learning loss that has happened in that area? Yeah, so I have lots of ideas, but um, I think that if I had to identify something that I've really found and, you know, supported through the research, but what I've really sort of dedicated myself and research to is putting um, children's motivation and engagement and relationship building sort of at the core and the center, and then planning literacy instruction around there. So um, I, I do a lot of research and writing instruction um, and also reading comprehension. Uh, and so, you know, when I look at that, I really I really think it's important to get to know our students, get to know their interests, and then to the degree to which we can um, sort of tailor the instruction around that. So that 
we found through the Literacy Center, even this semester, we had some students that were very, very resistant to reading. They were very hesitant to engage in reading with our CMU tutors. Um, so they would exhibit some challenging behaviors. And so we talked um, when I, and during the class about you know, some strategies. And so one thing I invited them to do was to do uh, an interest inventory and then to do an inquiry project. And so I'm thinking of one student in particular who um, one, I think he's fourth grader, very, very, very reluctant to engage with the tutor at first. And then they started researching Komodo dragons and he can't wait to get to the tutoring session. He's eager to read the books. He is doing more writing now than ever before. And they're able to work on some of the word study vocabulary and doing that sort of thing through this access point of Komodo dragons. And I, you know, I just think that's just such a compelling story. And it's just, um, you know, it doesn't eliminate all the challenging behaviors, but so much was eliminated because he found that his, the tutor, the CMU student that he was going to work with was really aware of his needs. And so I think um, what we can do, I know it's a very challenging time right now for teachers, and, um, but I think just remembering that building those connections with students and using that in our instruction is really important to help foster and facilitate literacy growth. So what Dr. Block just said really resonated with me um, and really kind of took me back to my childhood as well that, you know, I, I didn't connect well in that area of ELA until I had an opportunity to really dive into content uh, and focus on content that was of interest to me. So I think I just thought it was really fascinating uh, that you said that, that that is, um, you know, part of your um, area of research and one of the recommend recommendations that you have. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, a little bit more about the research that you uh, are currently doing in that area and, and what ideas or um, what is the, you know, is, is there something in that research that has really been surprising to you? So, yes, I'm admittedly restarting some research after it was it's very difficult to access students in classrooms um, during the pandemic. Um, so I am actually eager to start exploring this um, a bit more. I have most specifically and more thoroughly explored this sort of um, motivation, engagement, like purpose and learning through writing instruction with young children. And um, some of the research I've done is looking at giving children actual audiences and real purposes to write and sort of getting away from just asking kids to write for the sake of writing. Um, so for example, I did some research in a um, school and I actually did it this one virtual before the pandemic. Um, and we, um, some kindergarten teachers were really struggling to get some writing into their curriculum. They found that their students were really hesitant and most of their writing instruction simply was um, the mechanics of writing, working on handwriting, which is definitely important. Um, working on name writing, all of that's important. <clears throat> but I think that part of I, some of the professional development we did and some of the things we looked at was actually inviting the children in to write something that others would read. And so in this case, they were um, 
about to assess the pre-K students coming into their classrooms the following year. And they were talking to their kindergartners and they said, you know, wouldn't it be really great if these pre-K kids are so nervous? What about if we write a a book about how to be a kindergartner. And so the kids decided on what they should tell the pre-K children. Uh, They came up with some of the language, they took pictures, they used interactive writing to do it. And the teachers were reporting like kids that would have never written before were so eager to contribute sentences. They were so eager to have their voice in there. Um, One little guy, when I was listening, he was Apparently, he was a child who um, sometimes struggled to pay attention and often found himself. Um, I don't know what their official term was, but he was also quite often being redirected for behavior and uh, serving out some consequences for his behavior. He was like, wow, if I had this book, I would have been so much better in kindergarten. Like, I wouldn't have been in trouble so much. And so, um, you know, it was just, it was empowering. So, Recently, I've been starting to think about writing, you know, I found that children do write more, they write a better, higher quality, when they have a real reason to write when they have an expertise that they can share. And so recently, and what some of the research I'm really thinking about doing related is um, using writing to elevate children's voices to give them a platform to talk to give them a space to share their ideas, to share their expertise, and how that sort of changes the learning experience and the um, you know the quality of the writing, but also their attitude toward uh, literacy in that way. So I don't know. I have a ton of examples, but <laughs> I won't continue. Thank you, thank you, Dr. Black. <laughs> um, you know, we we often think about literacy as the teaching of reading. Um, clearly you're talking and it's very insightful to talk about the connection with writing as well, but can you talk even more broadly about the importance of literacy across the curriculum in other areas? And you've also done some research around even, uh, the social studies in that area and how, um, whole school efforts and curricular design with literacy in that way can really enhance literacy achievement for all students. Yes. I would be happy to speak about that. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, for me, it's so hard to specifically talk about reading or specifically to talk about writing because the two are so interwoven, right? Like when we're reading, we're thinking about the writer did. When we're writing, we're thinking about what the reader is going to receive. Um, You know, we're, we're using reading and writing to help each other. And when we think about science and social studies, that really helps us find the content for it. Um, reading in social studies, right? Writing in social studies really does help develop and strengthen content knowledge. I mean, it is really disheartening to me when I hear of classrooms or kids reporting that they don't have time for science or teachers feeling like they're not allowed to teach science or social studies just because the focus needs to be on math and literacy. And, you know, I don't think that literacy's intent is to be the curriculum bully, as it might be that, you know, literacy is there, literacy is involved in all of that. So when we are exploring a scientific question that we might have or some inquiry that we might do, we can learn about literacy, we can do vocabulary, we can write like scientists, we can make observations like scientists, we can um, use like field guide books like scientists, and there's so much that we can do in sort of that 
that integration of those areas, I believe is critical. I also believe that's just how our natural world works. So it feels less school to kids, yet they're learning a lot and expanding their knowledge and skills um, in ways that are going to really serve them well in the world. And I also believe it capitalizes on children's innate sense of inquiry, wonderings about the world. And kids are curious. Kids wonder about things. Kids have questions and exploring those um, that are often involved in either science or social studies is a way that we can honor and recognize their interests and still achieve uh, our objectives and standards that we need to meet. Thank you. I have one follow-up question. Uh, and I think it, before I ask that, you probably agree with uh, the statement that when you walk into a staff room and you ask the teachers, raise your hand if you're a literacy teacher, that all teachers should raise their hand um, and not just those that teach, you know, or are labeled to teach English language arts. Um, and so that connects to that question and, and that insightful response you gave. But I'm gonna go one step further from a whole school perspective and ask you around uh, your thoughts about the role and the power of school leaders in uh, enhancing and in uh, really, uh, you know, you know, making literacy across the curriculum and instruction a focal point. And clearly teachers play the, the primary role in terms of developing literacy skills with their students. But can you talk also about um, what types of things school leaders, principals, uh, you know, can do to really, um, you know, enhance and amplify the efforts around literacy? Yeah, so I recently did get to sit down with a lot of administrators and have this conversation. And I think what administrators and school leaders really need to recognize is that they best, they can best support their teachers in doing this by allowing teachers to do that in a way by, because um, I think that sometimes or in some way we've gotten to this point where we think that we have to have 90 minutes of literacy and that means only doing phonics and reading and answering questions and writing. And then we do 90 minutes of math and that has to be X, Y, and Z. Um, and you know, social studies and science if you have time. And I really think that um, one, that maybe we need to reevaluate what that literacy block looks like. Um, is there research to say that if you do 90 minutes that that's the magic number? Um, and what can be entailed? Like, I think having um, the school leaders really advocate for that, but it's almost just like giving permission or just letting teachers feel like, that is part of the expectation. In that literacy block, we are reading about, you know, the water cycle or, you know, some an historical event or a country or a different culture that that through that we are learning literacy and our literacy can be happening through all those different content areas. So I think that the school leaders can really be supportive in that way. Um, and that might take, you know, some um, familiarity with some of the research on it, some of the content, um, getting into classrooms and helping support teachers and recognizing where they can do that um, more or, you know, together and just letting teachers have the time to plan in that way, because that might be a little bit different maybe than some teachers have thought about um, what their the expectation of them has been. 
And Dr. Black, as we kind of wrap up the school year here soon, which is crazy to think about, but we're in the springtime. And um, as students, you know, we'll, we'll leave the classroom environment for many students for the summer, um, anybody that's not participating in summer programming. Are there any ideas that you would share with families that they could do outside of the classroom? And really, that, that would go for all school year, right? Not just the summer, um, that you can work on at home with your students to really um, boost their, their reading and writing skills um, for the classroom. Yeah, so I would encourage parents to do the same thing. And, and you know, I always think it's important to, you know, consider what's available to you and, you know, use the natural world that we have um, to explore. Um, but doing things such as inviting your child to prepare a meal, following a recipe, uh, using the instructions on a recipe is a way to include reading. I think that it's really best that we... we we don't make it too hard on ourselves, right? I'm a working parent of two young children and like to do the extras is hard, but I do have to feed them every day and I do have to prepare a meal for them. And so even if it's as simple as um, using the back of a macaroni box with some of our youngest learners and just practicing, what does that procedural text look like? It's something that we're doing anyway and we're inviting the child in. Um, Thinking about inviting them to do some of the writing, whether it's a thank you note or a uh, a grocery list or even helping to reply to a text to grandma or grandpa about, you know, coming to visit or, um, you know, maybe doing some exploration on an upcoming trip or something in your community or taking the time to check out books in the library of a particular interest. Um, in my house, it's, we've, I've done a lot of uh, reading about snakes. I, despise snakes. Um, but we've taken a lot of time in the summer. We've looked for snakes and, um, you know, found different things. We've um, written little books about snakes. And so I think it's a time to capitalize on interest, but recognize all the literacy that we engage in as part of our regular day and invite children to engage in those things of list writing, label making, letter writing. Um, and so not to make it hard, but also to be really intentional that we're including those things. And if we have access to libraries um, and other resource materials, you know, that's important too. And that can be a great support um, in communities that have those sort of uh, programs for their students. Well, I think those are all wonderful ideas. I know um, as I heard you, again, as I heard you talking about some of those ideas, I know, and, and perhaps because my wife is an educator, I know she connected um, some of those ideas to our kids during the pandemic. And so um, it, you know, to hear you say that really connected some dots for me, but I'm wondering for the listeners that we have out there that are in our schools that might be interested in connecting with the Literacy Center, what opportunities are there for our educators to connect with you all outside of the opportunities that we've created um, at the um, annual conference that we host every year? So um, as we uh, grow and, you know, imagine and reimagine our position. Um, we are looking at increasing professional development. We're looking for, um, you know, to rethink about our advisory board and, and really just to survey all stakeholders on their needs of literacy. Um, so there's, there will be definitely more opportunities to get involved um, in the very near future, which we still are working out some details, but we do plan to have a summer institute through our literacy center where we will be providing some professional oppor development opportunities um, for teachers um, without cost. And uh, 
this summer we will be holding them virtual again. And so we can definitely make sure that the office has that information. Um, we're thinking about a series of four two-hour events, potentially, um, and inviting teachers from all over the state to really come together to think about how we might enhance literacy instruction. Um, we're going to kind of look at the literacy essentials and then think about how we might um, really apply those to our classrooms, really use them in ways that we can differentiate instruction and um, maybe even provide some intervention for specific students. So that information will be forthcoming very soon. Um, and I apologize for not having more details, but when we're onboarding a new person, we also wanna make sure that new person has some information. Um, and then we would like to continue our professional development um, opportunities throughout the year. Um, and, you know, we're always available too for questions or connections. So we hope that people um, recognize that this literacy center is here to support literacy in any way. And we look forward and invite ideas for ways that that might be more useful um, for your listeners as well. Thank you, Dr. Block. Um, you mentioned a couple words uh, that sparked my interest in your response. One was differentiated instruction and the other one was interventions. And so I have a question around um, the balance between uh, remediating skill deficiencies and also what may be referred to as accelerating learning and continuing to provide great, you know, access to grade level standards. And so uh, given COVID-19 uh, pandemics, you know, obvious impact on, um, on learning, um, you know, particularly in at-risk communities, um, you know, there's, I think, a, a, a large push on many to kind of focus on remediation and uh, addressing skill deficiencies, which at some level certainly needed. But can you talk about the importance of also simultaneously and the complexity of doing, you know, both remediation, but not forgetting to continue to provide access to grade level standards uh, for students who might be quote unquote behind grade level? Yeah. Um, so I think that this is also where you know, what I talked about at the beginning, really thinking about motivation and engagement and what we're asking the students to do and how long we're asking them to do them. And there's a lot of, you know, extra support that we need to provide students and some intervention that we need to provide students, but um, we can't do it without also thinking about the motivation and engagement. If kids aren't going to be, if we're not going to provide some choice or um, work towards children's interest, we might be kind of spinning our wheels in circles. If, if children aren't interested or motivated to read, then they might not engage in reading as much and then they're not going to continue to see the progress. But um, thinking about, can we make learning interactive, right? Like doing word study, looking at the words, recognizing what sort of phonics or word study needs children have. And right now that is an area that definitely needs to be addressed, right? There, that can help um, students. And that's for some students that is the support that they need. Um, but does it have to be that we just have give them packets of worksheets? Or can we do things like word sorts and word study through text? Can we do both, you know, what we find works for different contexts? So I think, yeah, we need to figure out what students specifically need and we need to address those needs. But we also need to recognize that 
um, what we're doing is really helping to support their literacy beyond the classroom. And we really are working to support their ability to access a piece of text and read it. Um, you know, I think you talked about the grade level standards and text and and we do need to find ways to help support kids so they have exposure to grade level text, right? Because we can't let the MSTEP or you know any assessment be the first time they've ever experienced grade level text. So finding ways, if it's through partner reading or choral reading or working through with groups to just have some exposure to that text to help use some of those comprehension strategies to access text in that way. So I know it's a huge question, but... <laughs> Well, we've truly appreciated all of your insights today. This is such an important topic. Um, we know this will be extremely helpful to all of our listeners. Um, one thing that we love to ask all of our guests as we're an education podcast is to share with us just on a personal level, a little bit about a teacher that's had an impact on your life, especially being in education and being faculty and, and leading the, the teachers of tomorrow. Um, can you share with us a little bit more about a teacher that had a really profound impact on you? Yeah, so this is a really hard question for me um, because I um, obviously have had a number of great teachers, but I'm also the daughter of two teachers, the granddaughter of teachers, the um, niece of many teachers, the cousins of many teachers. And so when I thought about that question, it was, it was really hard because, you know, I feel fortunate that that's how it's been. Um, but interestingly, what kept coming to mind was a teacher that I had in high school that actually uh, expected a lot of writing, had high standards, but it was like writing was this like black box with all these rules. And while I didn't find the experience to be that pleasant in high school, it really has helped shape the research and the work that I've done and really thinking about um, kind of making literacy be beyond these classrooms, like using that experience to really think like, wow, you know, what was it that I was, I was terrified to write. I was terrified to put words on paper. I directly went to university of Michigan and became, I went elementary education, but I did a math and science major with early childhood because I couldn't imagine anything related to literacy. Um, but as I reflected and doing some grad work, it was you know, what can I do? How can I use these experiences and remembering the elementary teachers um, and really thinking about, wow, what did inspire me was when somebody took the time to listen to me, when somebody took the time to learn about me. And um, so that's what I've sort of taken forward. So although it was a sort of negative experience, maybe in the beginning, um, it just really helped me to think about all of those teachers, all of these people, the parents that, you know, I was at home with my um, grandparents. And so that those, that's sort of been that inspiration. It's been those people that have really just, I was shy. It was going to take a lot to get to, you know, make a connection with me to build a relationship. And it's when that happened. And when I recognized that my expertise was honored, then I was empowered and inspired. And so I, I've kind of had that as my, when I talk, I've taught kindergarten, first, second, and fourth grade. Um, when I work with my undergraduate students and graduate students, that is sort of what's sort of propelled and inspired me um, to continue the work that I do and the research that I do. Well, I want to thank Dr. Block for joining us today. Uh, Dr. Block is a faculty member in the teacher education and professional development department at Central Michigan University and the co-director of the Literacy Center 
we are very pleased to have had you on the podcast and uh, excited for our listeners to have an opportunity to hear some of the insights that you've shared and also for the opportunity to spend time with you and others from the Literacy Center at upcoming events that we will be hosting and um, excited to have you a part of. So thank you very much. Thank you.